All right, you are listening to episode number 40 of Reflections from WT. Number 40. Can you I, believe no, it? We've I done 40 of these things. I can't believe it, Randy. Yeah. 40 of these things. So, yeah, we've. Uh, I think we're about to get it down now. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, I'm excited about today. Yeah, I, I've been looking forward to today and today's guest. Uh, a couple guys I really enjoy talking to and have a lot of respect for. Uh, our guests today are Texas Outdoor Musical Artistic Director Stephen Crandall and Cultural Foundation of Texas Panhandle Executive Director Dr. Andrew Hay. Welcome. First of all, tell us what you do. Let's start with Dr. Hay. Uh, I've been tasked with, and I have the joy and privilege of overseeing two entities uh, that are under the CFTP uh, banner, uh, Cultural Foundation of the Texas Panhandle. So if effectively, CFTP is um, the management of both Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Texas the Outdoor Musical. And um, these two entities, which have combined uh, about 156 years of operation wow. uh, in this region, and so incredibly storied institutions and those two boards entered to a, an agreement with uh, West Texas A&M to say, well, how about we leverage one another uh, and leverage this moment um, alongside WT to say, how do we promote uh, all the good things of the Texas Panhandle and the state that come through both um, an artistic expression of the history of this region and also those incredible artifacts that are at the museum. So I, I get to help manage that and guide that and and give some vision and, and uh, input into those two entities. How, how long has it been in existence? CFTP? Yeah. Gosh, I'm looking at Dr. Windler. I think uh, January of 21. Yeah. Does that sound yeah. right? It's, it's less than two years. Yeah. Less than two years. And and it's, uh, it's I'm not going to say it's moving at the speed of light. Sometimes it feels like glacial <laughs> speed, but it's we're making progress with this. And this is going to, as Andrew said, it's going to hone down our edge on how important the values and the culture of the West Texas of West Texas and the Panhandle are to WT and to this place. And the was people. this your idea, Doctor Winler? Yeah. So, it, and how does it tie into WT? Yeah, well, I'm, 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 <laughs> well, it was. I mean, it came. How, how does it know. tie into WT one twenty five? Well, it ties in because what what I want to what I want to see our university is do do is without apology be a regional serving university, and I don't want that to be read as well. We don't have. Uh, a strong intellect here. We don't have good artistic talent here. We don't have inquisitive people here. If we serve this region that's largely agricultural and energy-based and so on and so forth, that really there's there's life in this region, not just here, but in all this constellation of small communities and so on. And, and I want WT to be uh, reflective of that and responsive to it. And do it without apology. I don't want to be in New York. I lived in New York. I don't want to be in San Francisco. I lived in San Francisco. I don't want to be in Houston or Baton Rouge. I've lived in Austin. I've lived in all these places. And the fact of the matter is there's something uniquely, I mean, really special about West Texas. And if we lose it, if it escapes, if it turns to vapor, it's gone and we'll never get it back. And I don't want that to happen. And I'm hope, my hope is, and I think that Andrew and Stephen and others, the boards are all proving this concept that when we talk about the history of the Panhandle through the Artifacts Museum, through the performance, the play that has a, and it is a fictionalized history in some ways, but it's also, it's, it's real. I mean, it's real. It's it's what West Texas is. I think on I think on top of that too. You know, um, something I love about these two entities that represent this area and maybe the state of Texas overall is 
you know, they represent the complete unexpected and surprising qualities of the history and the people mm-hmm. and what it's taken to live here and continue to live here. And then also with WT125, I look at the people and I know Stephen will talk about this, but I look at the the cast and crew that come here from all over the nation and world in some some extent. And they get to be with us for a time and, and really help us create something incredible and tell the story of this region. And then at the museum, well, I won't, I won't get started on the museum too much, but I mean, I obsess over the museum and all the incredible <laughs> artifacts yeah. uh, that are not only from the panhandle to the world, but all the surprising stories that uh, from around the region and the state that those that collection represents uh, from millennia past. Yeah. One of the things that I've always said, Dr. Windler's heard me say this, and he says I'm trying to fix that, is that I don't believe that WT brags on itself enough. And I think the same thing is true with the museum and with Texas. I don't think we brag on and, and I think we need to do a better job getting the word out. So, Stephen, I'm going to shift over to you. Uh, you and I have kind of worked a little bit together over the last several years. You were department head uh, for the theater department here at the Sybil B. Harrington Fine Arts College. And recently you shifted over to artistic director. Why did you do that? <laughs> we miss you he's, a, he's asking himself the same exact <laughs> very question some days. Why did I do this? I, you know, that, that's a great question. You know, I'd, I had been sort of uh, finishing up uh, six years as a department head. And wow, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, six years. So, you know, two, two three-year terms and uh, is really how I viewed it. And, you know, it, it's, a t- it's a difficult job. Uh, I've, I certainly enjoyed it, and I certainly feel proud of, of the work that I was able to accomplish in the position. But this opportunity sort of um, snuck up on me, really, as, as an artist, as a theater artist, and as a director and an actor and... You know, the opportunity to potentially transition or shift into something that was more artistically focused, more, uh, you know, just a little bit more of me, I think, and all that uh, I can offer, it really became this surprising fit. Um, My history with the show, I think, had a lot to do with that, um, having performed in it, um, you know, for three summers over 20 years ago. So, you know, all of these factors kind of played into the moment where uh, Andrew and I had a serious conversation about, is this something you think you would want to do? And is there a way for us to talk with administration and see if we can make it work? You know, it just started to feel right. And so I jumped at the opportunity to, to sort of pivot. Well, let me ask you this. How have you changed it? The show? The show. It's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think first and foremost, and this is something that Andrew was was really keen on motivating when when I started considering directing the production, which, which in and of itself is a pretty big task. The thing that we wanted to focus on, and I think this ties back into even WT125, was how can we allow the story to really be the central element that that this play this is is intending to fictionalize a historical period in this in this region and the struggles and the hardships and the sacrifices that people made to try to to tame the land if if you will and um and so that's really what my focus was and so I started in January really digging into the current the previous script as well as you know multiple uh, scripts from from the past 55 years and uh started to just piece together what felt like a, a cohesive and um 
important and engaging story. And of course, I was using a lot of my own experience as a as a director, trying to really ensure that the story is is um, you can follow it, you can understand it, you can you're given the information you need to invest in it, um, and that's really what I've I've done. I think uh, not to say that the previous iteration of the play or scripts have not done that, but I really felt compelled to focus the story as best as I could on those characters that really did sort of drive the heart of the play, which is, you know, the uh, the the cattlemen, the ranchers and their struggles and the farmers, the homesteaders and their struggles and where those two things intersected and how they influenced each other. And then you wrap all of that up in a nice, lovely, and you put romantic song. story. Yeah. <laughs> and then you add some song and some dance. Singing and, and dancing. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, it's a it's an interesting form, this this uh, play. And uh, how long did it been around? It was the sixties, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, sixty six. It was the yeah. first season, and uh, it's performed every summer except for twenty twenty uh, during COVID. And um, so this is our fifty sixth season. I let me just let me just tag on to the story. I um, you know Royal Blant Brantley, who was involved for so many years here, and is a legend in in really locally and in, in theater and drama and all those things. I I was given as a birthday present last year a copy of the original program uh, from the, uh, one of many, obviously, but somebody had held it onto it and somebody bought it on uh, on uh, online somewhere, eBay or something. I don't know where, but anyway, they got it. I was looking at it and lo and behold, I see a picture of about a 10-year-old Royal <laughs> Brantley. Uh, you know, this 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 does, uh, and Stephen's characterization of this is so good, it does capture part of... Uh, part of what West Texas is in a very real way. And, you know, it, it can be seen as, um, oh, I don't know, maybe overly romantic or nostalgic to think about this, but there are kernels of what West Texas is that are critically important today in contemporary society that I feel are in some ways oozing out of uh the cultural mingle. I mean, they're just not the same anymore. And I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not holding on to the past, but there are deeply embedded um, human principles that guide how we do things. And I think that play captures some of those, j- just like the museum does. That's what makes these things so important to me. And that's mm-hmm. what's so important about WT. I told somebody once uh, that um, they said, you know, but we're kind of, uh, we're a little backward up here. Faculty member told me this. I said, I don't know. I said, you give me two weeks on the Upper West Side of New York and I'll get 150 people that are willing to pay four times what we're charging for tuition and fees to come here and be in a place like this. Because it does have some sort of uh, fabric, a structure, bones, uh, DNA that h- knit together into something that's viable in contemporary society. And we forget it. And by the way, I tell people, I told new employees yesterday at a meeting, I really do like this place, but I'm going to tell you we're not perfect. It is not a perfect place. Um, every place has imperfections. But we're working hard to reinforce those uh, basic tenets of existence that appeal, I think, to all people. And I think that's when Stephen talks the way he does it, it makes me, it softens my heart because I think that's exactly what we should be doing. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the museum and I want to talk about uh, maybe what the future of the museum is going to look like. We'll be back in one minute. West Texas A&M University is the Panhandle's university. With a commitment to serving the region and the world, WT is proud to put people, programs, and places first. We are a strong community, 
a herd of buffaloes proud to call West Texas home. Learn more at wtamu.edu. Welcome back to Reflections from WT. This is episode number 40. I'm talking to Stephen Crandall, who is the musical artistic director at Texas, and Dr. Andrew Hay, who is the executive director of the Texas Panhandle Cultural Foundation. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this as I was driving into work today. When I was young, growing up in Pampa, Texas, every summer we would make the trip to Canyon, Texas, and we would, we would stop at the museum, and we'd spend half the day at the museum. Then we'd go down the canyon. We'd go hiking, playing down in the water down there, and then we'd go see Texas. That really left an impact on who I am, and I think it's been that way for a lot of people. And uh, the museum was a big part of that. I love the museum to this day. I have spent uh, a lot of a lot of hours recently at the museum, and I've helped uh, with some exhibits and stuff. So I love the place, and um, I'm fortunate to be on a you know that vision committee where we're thinking about what what the future of the museum may look like. Andrew, tell me what you think it may look like. Oh, gosh, uh, there's a lot there. You know, I I think first of all, I'd say you you mentioned some elements that actually are part of the history of the museum itself. You know, we're not mentioning the amphitheater and where it is for Texas, which is down at Paladero Canyon State Park, and actually the road Fourth Avenue and Canyon was built when the museum was completed. It was built so that it would connect to the new road that the CCC was building down in the canyon. And so it was actually this nice poetic link between the front door of what is now Pioneer Hall of the museum and uh, that road down into the canyon as it became a state park. So I love that, you know, all of a sudden there's this full circle moment uh, for the elements we're talking about. We're talking about Texas uh, having the privilege of being down at the state park performing at the amphitheater and then um, the, you know, the road that leads all the way up yeah. to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum. And uh, the future of that museum, you know, it is um, it is an absolute treasure trove. Like you you mentioned, you know, this is where WT gets to brag on itself and say one of its front doorsteps, I think, as Dr. Windler has called it, is this uh, wonderful museum with uh, an incredible past. It was the first museum on a university campus in the state of Texas. It was the first university museum south of the what was then the Mason-Dixon line, if you want to call it that. So it really has this pedigree. And I get to work alongside not only talented people like Stephen, but also talented people at the museum um, who really believe in the vision and what it could be. It is a museum that has a collection that I really kid you not, I get to access it daily if I wish. And what we have in that museum is pretty much unparalleled if you're talking about Western heritage. If you're talking about native peoples, uh, the earliest peoples of this region and the story there and fossil record here, uh, the geology record here, um, what it took for pioneers to come across here and try to settle this region. And then uh, it has incredible contemporary collection in the archives of the museum. You know, a lot of people don't know that the museum, Panhandle Plains Historical Museum, top floor, you have a research and archive center that that is probably a 500 mile radius. It is the archive the oral and textual history of this entire region is found right in that building. So very special place, keeps me up at night, uh, but it keeps me up in a good way thinking, you know, yeah. every museum has this challenge to say, how do you get the the prime pieces of the collection in front of as many people, uh, the diverse collection in front of a more diverse public? And that takes a jigsaw puzzle. It, it really is a jigsaw. I say it's creating you space. You have so many artifacts, that's almost impossible. It, it is. It is. So you do have to say, and we've got great curators and leaders there. You do have to say, what are what are the most important things? 
And if they're not in front of people, why are they not in front of people? What would it take to get them in front of people? And then we, we've we been talking, um, the board, Painting on Plains Historical Society board has been saying, well, what does the space need to be, the inside of the buildings, because it's four buildings uh, put together that uh, make up the, the museum. What do we have to do to create the best type of experiences possible for many, many people to come in and many, many more? So I love that challenge. And I know the, the president is is thinking that way too, you know, what, what does the museum become? And then beyond that, another arm of, of the important factor of the museum is education. We serve every independent school district in the Panhandle of Texas, and we serve many outside of that region as well, uh, the immediate 26 counties. We also serve dozens of other schools. And so we've started some great initiatives with a STEAM lab, and we're looking to actually do a few other things in the future uh, pretty pretty quick here with education. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to ask each one of you, is it a weird model having a musical and a museum put together, operating under the same umbrella? And has anyone ever done that before? You know, I'm not sure anyone has ever done it, um, but I don't think it's so much a, a weird model, but it goes it goes to the, in a sense, the foundation of our region, and that is the culture of the panhandle. And between the museum in its... Uh, historic presentation of its peoples and the Panhandle's peoples and so on through artifacts and their various collections and the play through this, I'll say based on the museum, a more contemporary view of what West Texas is and the challenges, the human struggles and so on that it took to settle the region that still exists to some extent. It may be weird, but it may be because it's West Texas and the people here value their past a little bit, uh, in many ways uh, strongly value their past. And what Stephen is doing with the, with the, with the musical, trying to, I'm not, I don't want to say contemporize it, but, but to, to, to make it more responsive and a little different than, than it used to be, not that it was bad before, it's just that the, the audience are changing and so on. The museum is challenged in the same way, I believe, to, you know, how to, how to bring this and make it relevant to new eyes and, and new ears and so on in both cases. And I, maybe it is a little weird. I don't know. But Do I, you think it's, it's weird, Stephen? Not in the sense that both entities really focus on, as Dr. Wendler said, the um, preserving history, preserving some connection to this region and how it was founded and how we meet, we made life possible here, you know. So in that regard, no, it, it doesn't uh, confuse me. It seems like a natural partnership uh, because it's... They're it's, both historic yep. and they're both creative. Yeah. So I think I, I, it, in some ways it makes sense. So genius idea you came up with. Maybe more people should follow that model. Don't tell me that. I'll, I'll, I won't be able to get my head through the studio door. <laughs> I, uh, no, it's, it is, it's fun. And by the way, there were naysayers in the beginning. A lot of people were concerned about it, you know, that they each would lose their identity, that all these things would happen. Mm -hmm. But my contention has always been the stronger we make the West Texas identity, what it is, the more distinctive the region becomes. And it's, it's already distinctive. But to pronounce that loudly, you say, brag on it, I think is very important. And it will be attractive to people from all over the place, not just West Texans. Although half of our students right now are essentially West Texans. All right, gentlemen. Uh, with every episode, I throw a curveball. I'm going to ask each one of you, this, is, this may be a tough question. I, I teach a class in the summer, and I teach a class every semester. Um, one of my assignments is I ask my students to write an essay on their favorite book. And I'm going to ask each one of you to tell me what your favorite book is. And don't try to kid me into being Mr. Super Spiritual saying the Bible. I don't want to hear that one. <laughs> so tell me about a book that really influenced you that you would say, that's my favorite book. That's a tough question. 
Not for, not for Andrew. Well, I, I'll, you know, there's a lot, and this is this is <laughs> difficult. But mine's always been The Hobbit. Really? Yeah. And I just saw my oldest read that book for the first time this past week. Yeah. And so it rekindled those feelings of you know, there's just this great simple story, and there's great. Well, it didn't have closure when he went on to keep writing things. He didn't stop, but yeah. you know, just a very simple story. I think about an intrepid journey and. meeting a goal and a challenge and overcoming that. So I've always loved The Hobbit. I almost said The Iliad, though, but... Did The Lord of the Rings, do you like The Lord of the Rings, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you're a Tolkien fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But The Hobbit's just a great kind of innocent book in a way. Did you like the movie or not? Was it disappointing? I I haven't. I watched the first one of The Hobbit, and then I I didn't. Not because it was bad. I just kind of got bored. Yeah, interesting. Stephen, what's your favorite book? I think... um, I, you know, one experience of, of a book that I that that has lasted for me is uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. Um, I, that that book, I don't know why, I, it it just captured me, um, and I think it was partly to do with the, kind of the theme of redemption and just the idea of of you know being sort of beat up by life and then finding a way to make your way back and do something positive and I like vengeance. Uh, I like, um, you know, good, good, good guy winning. That's interesting. Dr. Windler, do you have a favorite book? Yeah, I got a bunch of them. Mine aren't as, uh, sort of, uh, uh, cerebral as, uh, those two are probably, uh, and this, this is going to sound bad, bad, but the power broker, it's about Robert Moses, who I'm very familiar with because I grew up on Long Island. Uh, he invented, uh, for all practical purposes, contemporary toll roads, the interstate highway system, started all on Long Island with Northern State Parkway, uh, Southern State Parkway that led into Manhattan and allowed this 118 mile fissure of land feed industry and commerce in, uh, in the boroughs, in the five boroughs every day, uh, coupled with the railroads. He wanted to put the railroads out of business. You know, he created bridges and all that sort of stuff. And he and Al Gore and Dwight Eisenhower, actually, and the Al Gore Sr., not the not the young Al Gore, but his dad, the senator from Tennessee, basically created the uh, interstate highway system. So it's all about transit and cars, plus Jones Beach, which I always liked, and uh, Fire Island were all, I used to go over across the Robert Moses Causeway to go there, but it was really just an interesting example of somebody working through challenges and difficulties. And the most interesting part of it was he never had a driver's license. <laughs> he never had a driver's license. <laughs> but anyway, he, I, I, I like that book because it was about solving complex problems. Yeah, I, I will share. I have several favorite books, but I'll, I will tell you what my one of my favorite books is and how it ties into our conversation today. One of my favorite books is Dances with Wolves. And I like the movie and I like the book too. If you read the book, the book was actually, it happened in, in Paladuri Canyon. And so that was always one of my favorite books. I love the movie. I thought the movie and the book were really close. And I got to meet the author because the Panhandle Plains Museum brought him in. And so that that was a special moment. I got to spend a little time talking to him about it. And so that was really cool that I got to do that. That's what I tell my students. Things like that are are perks that you get going to college. You know, I I, I will never forget talking to him. And I said, you know, I love the movie. I love the book. Usually movies and books are so different. And I'm always disappointed with the movie. He said, I can tell you why you like the movie. He said, because I wrote the screenplay, too. So uh, oh, yeah, I, I thought that was that. cool. So, <laughs> it's like best yeah. Of both yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's, that's my story of my favorite book and my favorite museum. There you go. 
Well, thank you guys for joining us today. I've enjoyed our conversation. Please join us again next time for Reflections from WT. It will be episode number 41. We'll see you then.